0: Welcome to Dear 20-something. I'm Erica, the host of this podcast, and I'm so excited to have you here. A bit about me, I'm a 20-something social entrepreneur and investor who is navigating the ups and downs of being in my 20s. The Dear 20-something podcast started because we wanted to create a space for ambitious and curious 20-somethings to connect with the successful changemakers they most look up to. While the 20s can be a time full of questions and doubts, we're here to humanize the whole thing. You'll hear from successful trailblazers who will share the highs and lows of their 20s and you'll also get words of wisdom from some experts who will speak on a certain topic relevant for 20-somethings. And then sometimes it'll just be me on the mic hosting an episode where I share a recent reflection or story from my own life as I too am navigating this wild decade. We're so happy to have you here. Let's get started. Today on the show This little episode, I will be sharing my tips for navigating job transitions. A few months ago, I recently switched jobs from working at a startup to working in venture capital. It was definitely an overwhelming process, so I want to share some tips for people thinking about making a career change and how to make the transition as smooth as possible. I found that job searching and transitioning is such a delicate science. This is one of those things that can easily be messed up. Whether that's coming off desperate for a gig or not being clear enough that you're looking for one. So I want to give insight into how I think about job transitions. So as you know, I like structure. So I'm going to break this into three different phases. So the three phases are the reflection stage, the advice stage, and then the action stage. So we are going to start first, phase one, with the reflection stage. And I view this as information gathering internally. So I have, let's see, five tips here for the reflection stage, which is stage one. So the first thing is probably obvious, but I do think it's important to share. I think you have to get very, very clear on why you want to leave. I think it's as simple as like two to three reasons why. And I think these reasons can be words, like it can be growth. My professional growth is stagnating. It can be pay. It can be team dynamic. It can be remote work. It can be whatever it is. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, but I do think it is identifying at first what those few reasons are. I've found too, if you're like, what are those reasons for me? I've found that the reasons get louder and louder as time goes on. And that's part of the getting clarity. So, like, let's say pay is something that you're really struggling with. You're not getting paid enough. It might be like a whisper in, like, October. And then by like December, might be like, oh gosh, Christmas is coming. I'm like really feeling the pay thing. I'm feeling really annoyed that I don't get paid enough. It starts to get louder and louder. And then by like March, you're like, oh my gosh, my budgeting is all off. Like it just gets more and more annoying. And so I would say, maybe if you're not sure about what those two to three reasons are you want to leave, you just think you want to leave, I would say give it time because the reasons will become louder. I'll speak, just give a quick example for myself. One thing for me that I've found is really hard is especially right now with remote work, leaving a team or leaving a job because the remote work situation isn't what you want it to be. So there's not anything innately wrong with your role or the people or the product or everything, but it's just that you crave connection. And that was something that I was struggling with with my last gig was, I've mentioned this before, but my word of 2022 on my vision board is connection. And there can be inherently nothing wrong with your current job. But if you're feeling like, with you want to be hybrid and you're remote or you don't want to be in person, you want to be remote. That can be reason enough to leave, even though it can be very sad. So that's the first thing I would say in the reflection stage. Another thing I would say, and this is just information gathering. So I'm not suggesting that you apply, but another thing I would recommend to do during this phase is just to look at job postings. This is more of just an exercise of like what sounds interesting and what is piquing my interest, no matter how random it is. I have a girlfriend. She works in journalism and she was starting to find like culinary jobs really interesting. And she's been cooking a lot and she's been thinking about potentially going to culinary school, but she's like following food influencers on social media and she's like just kind of immersing herself in a really random world, but it's where her mind is wandering. And so I would say, I think part of just looking at job postings, paying attention to where your mind is wandering, who are you who are the new people you're following on social media? Like what are the threads you're reading? What are the articles you're reading? I think that can start to tell you where your current interests are and maybe indicate what kind of industry you want to be in. I think this is especially important too if you're thinking of making a career change. I think it's really important to just like let your mind wander and a lot of the times prompts can be job postings. The third thing for this first reflection phase, so this is a very me thing to say. The people who know me well will laugh when they hear this, but I would say taking online tests that show you what your values and strengths are. It may seem unrelated. It may seem like something personal, not professional, But I've found that understanding what type of team you want to work on, what size team you want to work on, what culture you want to work on, do you want to be a leader or do you want to be more of just a great worker? I think a lot of that can come out when you take these personality tests and strengths tests. At least that's how it's been for me. So there's two that I would really recommend that I think have taught me a lot about my own personality. So the first one is the via character strengths test. It's a test of, I want to say like 24 I think it's 24, it might be 26, it's something like that, character strengths that are like agreed upon globally. So they range from humor, judgment, appreciation of beauty and excellence, gratitude, curiosity. They're basically all these different strengths that people can possess. And you take the test and it basically ranks all 24, one through 24. So the idea is like one to five, you're really good at and 20 to 24, you're not so good at. And the advice is, Ignore everything that's below five. Look at your one to five and like double down on those. Prioritize people that also value those things. Prioritize jobs that also value those things. It's even like, so for me, one of my top ones is gratitude. And so one of the like little pieces of advice for me was like, write gratitude notes often. It's like something I already kind of want to do. But if I just do one step above it'll make me really happy and it'll be something I'm already good at. You know, writing down three things you're grateful for, like kind of creating habits around the strengths that you already have in your one through five, but just making them like your most notable strengths. So I think that's really important because I found some of my top strengths were gratitude, honesty, humility, and leadership. And I found like when I look at that, that list and I think about the jobs that I've had where I've been happiest or the jobs that I've had where I've been the least happy, oftentimes they're either in alignment with those or they're not. You know, humility being, if I have a humble leader, I'm so much happier than if I'm working for a not humble leader. You know, if I'm working for a grateful team, that's everyone's thanking each other, giving credit where credit's due. I'm so much happier than when that's not the case. Leadership, when I'm in a leadership position, I'm a lot happier than when I'm not and you're not given responsibility. So that would be my advice. I would say take the via character strengths test. My second online test, which again, I am obsessed with this and like a walking advertisement for these two tests, but it's called the four tendencies test by Gretchen Rubin. And basically it buckets you into four tendencies on if you listen to internal expectations, if you listen to external expectations, both one of them or neither. And the idea is that the external expectations you can think of as just like what society says you should do. Everything from if you're a woman, you stand in the woman's line, or if you paid for one movie ticket, you only see one movie versus two. It's like, what are society's rules? Do you follow them? And then the internal expectations are like what you believe to be true. Let's say I, for some reason, think that like chips aren't bad for me, even though society says they are, I'll still eat the chips because I'm following my own internal compass. So, I think that has been so valuable for me because I identify as a questioner and I always ask questions. It's a lot of entrepreneurs have that trait. I follow my internal rules, but I struggle to follow external. And so what I've learned is I need an environment where people are okay with me asking like a bunch of questions and doing things really differently than the rules. So I really like having autonomy in my role. I really like having things that are very unpredictable. I even think this would be some event planners would probably really like this too because they're told like, execute this wedding. And then there's like all these million things that come up and they have to constantly be thinking on their feet. And it's not prescriptive exactly what needs to get done, but they have their own internal compass that's helping them figure it out. Okay, next in the reflection phase, I would say financial evaluations. I know this isn't the most fun one, but I think especially now with the recession looming, I think this has to be accounted for like, can I afford the life that I'm living? Do I need to make more money? Do I need to make less money? Or can it stay the same? And I think this is something that not enough people reflect on. And I think especially if you have a family, I'm very fortunate in that I just have to support myself. But this is very, very, very real. And so I think part of that phase is figuring out like, what is my budget right now? What am I spending monthly? What do I want my savings rate to be? And like, what is that salary that I need? Because as many people know, obviously, like you get little bumps typically when you're at a job, but the big bumps come when you come to other go to other jobs. So I would say that's something to just reflect on and identify like a range. And then the last piece I kind of hinted at it of this reflection phase, I think is just like who to factor into this decision. You know, obviously, if you have a partner, I think that will change what job you take. Shout out to my sister. She is in medical school and she's has a partner and you know, they're probably going to couples match and pick certain, make certain decisions because of each other. I think if you have kids, got to make certain decisions. If you're single, you can do a lot more. So I would say just getting like really clear about that is an important thing to do during the reflection stage. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's like, I'm single, no kids. I can do whatever I want. But sometimes it's a lot more complicated and I want to acknowledge that. So that's reflection phase. This is information gathering internally. And it's a lot of like thinking and looking and searching. The next phase is what I call the advice phase. And this is information gathering externally. So for this one, let's see, I had four different tips. So the first one, I think, is casual catch ups with friends, mentors, and old classmates that are specifically in the industries that you're considering. It's not like an informational interview because I think that these are people that you should ideally know. But I think just chatting with them and asking what they like about their job, what they don't like about their job, and just being really communicative with them that you're searching and being honest and saying, I'm thinking of making a transition. Be super real with me right now. What, how is it? How's it going? I found that this was so, so valuable for me, especially. I had people I went to business school with, uh, people I went to high school with, former professors. I mean, I kind of did like a whole range of people and I reached out and I said, could I have 15 to 30 minutes of your time? I'm making a huge transition. I don't want to mess it up. I would be so appreciative for your honest thoughts." And I think when you express and you show humility and you say, like, I really am looking for help, I'm making a big decision and I'm thinking about making a change, people are willing to do it for the most part. So I think also because they know that in return, you would do the same. So I would say scheduling lots of casual catch-up calls with people in the industries you're considering. The second piece of advice during this stage is, so I spent a lot of time talking with my career coach. I think there's a lot of misconceptions around career coaches being just for people who are like very established in their career and much older, I think that's completely wrong. Just like it would be so sad if people only saw therapists when they were like 50 and 60. You can always benefit from a career coach because by the time you, sometimes when you're 16, typically by the time you're 18 to 21, you are getting jobs and you are having a career. And so I think for me, I found someone who's been amazing and she's really helped me be like that outside perspective when I am not sure what to do. She's also an expert in like understanding motivation, understanding belief systems, some of the things that I just don't have the language for and I did not study. And she did. Just like a therapist has the tools often that we don't have, just like a plumber has the tools to fix your sink. I think a lot of these people that study something, there's nothing wrong with asking them for advice. And I think you're absolutely never too young to do that. I've also found that, not that I wouldn't do it, but I'm like, ah, it's expensive, right? Like going to therapy is expensive, but I feel like afterwards, I always am so grateful that I did it. So I would just say that if you're shocked by the sticker price, I think it's like finding a good therapist or like, you know, getting your leak fixed in your house. You just, the alternative isn't worth it. It's not worth it. It could get worse and you have to be healthy and you have to have a clear state of mind and you have to have someone give you their perspective. So that's my second piece of advice. Another piece of advice for this advice stage is it kind of has to do with the financial thing from earlier, but like talking to experts on macro trends in the industries that you're interested in and like getting advice on where that industry is going. I think it's really naive to say that you should like ignore the economy or ignore foreign policy because I think a lot of times, especially with careers, it's so closely tied to what's happening in the world as we've seen, even in the last year, we had the great resignation. And then we've had like the great firing, which I don't know what the real term is for it now. But a lot of people are getting laid off. And then we're probably going to have a great recession. And you know, we're going to keep having these like changes, very pivotal changes every few months, some good, some bad. And so I think it's really naive if you're thinking about making a job switch to ignore things like that and not ask people, it could even be podcasts you're listening to, or, you know, asking people that are deep in the industries you're interested in. I think there's like a couple examples I gave that I thought helped illustrate this point. I think like, so when times get tough, which is how we're probably going in the next six months, people really cut back spend on extras. So that would be like consultants and like agencies and they'll sometimes just bring stuff in house. So this is obviously not legit career advice when I, but just from my own perspective, like maybe that's not the path that someone should go down. Maybe they should instead work as like a freelancer that can kind of do everything or go work for like a bigger company that's a little more stable. It's hard to know because recessions hit everyone, but I just think thinking about bigger trends, you know, I know nurses, they're having a hard time hiring nurses and like flight staff, flights are getting canceled. That might be like a smart decision if you're like thinking about going down that path. Do I want to go to nursing school? Okay, that would be maybe like, yeah, trends are showing that they need nurses. So that would be a plus in that direction. So anyway, I just think macro trends is something that people should be getting advice on and not ignoring. And then the last thing in this second phase of advice is having like inner circle real talk. Everyone has different circle sizes. Obviously for me, I have a handful of people in my life that I go to for big things and I tell everything to. It can be two to four people can even be one. Who are those people in your life who love you, want to see you happy, and who are available to talk you through everything and give you real advice? And I think that's it's very very important for huge decisions like this that ideally are either industry changes or career changes, you have people that really love you that can give you honest advice. And so I would say more than anything career coaches can help, you know, old mentors and friends can help, obviously podcasts, macro trends, talking heads on the internet can help, but I think the people who probably know you best are your inner circle and I would talk to them. And they don't always know. I had a good girlfriend once tell me not to take a job that ended up being the best thing that ever happening to me and changing my life. So they don't always know, but the people who really truly love you and want the best for you typically can give great advice. Okay, so that's phase two, the advice phase. This third stage, this final stage I call is the action stage. Even though you've been taking action, obviously when gathering information online reflecting and asking for advice, now is the time to make it happen. So these are my three biggest pieces of advice in the action stage, my three big tips. One, and these are hopefully very actionable, don't just apply on the website. Find the unique stakeholders who make the hiring decision. I think this one is extremely, extremely important. I see all the time people just like easy apply on LinkedIn and then call it a day and hope that their resume will be the one out of 600 that gets picked the odds of that are very small. So I think finding unique stakeholders can look like different things at different companies. And that's part of asking people who is the stakeholder. I think if a large company is looking for a marketing lead, you apply through the portal. And then I think you find the email of the head recruiter and you find the email of the head of marketing and you send emails and you reach out to them To flag your resume. So it's not just only in the portal. Another suggestion if you want to work for a startup, and this is maybe more specific to me because I'm in venture capital, but if a startup is hiring, a lot of the times their investors, their venture capital investors, will be helping them hire for that role. And so one suggestion I have is if you, let's say startup A is hiring for an engineer, you might want to see who invested in startup A, who are the five to 10 venture capital funds, and then maybe find the it is the platform team, but you really can reach out to anyone. But I would say the platform team at the Venture Capital Fund to say, hey, I'm really interested in startup A. I know you guys invested in them. Are you helping them hire for this role? And the idea would be that the platform person is spending their day in, day out helping the founders that they've invested in. And they can say, actually, yeah, you know, I am helping them hire for this engineering role at startup A. Let me look at your resume and maybe I'll chat with you before I pass you off to the startup. And that can be a much better way to go about it. So a lot of the times you have to be deep in the industry to know kind of how it works and who's communicating with who. But I would say try to reach out to people that can help you versus just applying for a general job application. And on that note, so my second major tip is to send cold emails. And that kind of goes with that first one. It's like an extremely underrated way to get opportunities. There have been two major things. I mean, many, but two that are relevant to this discussion. The job I'm currently at, I got through cold emails. And this podcast that you are listening to got started from a cold email. So the two things relevant to this discussion are from cold emails. My current job, I had an idea that my now boss was probably hiring I had seen like an old job posting and I had seen some tweets online and I sent a cold email with my information, how I could help, why she should hire me. And that led to phone calls and dinners. And now here I am. So there wasn't even like a, I don't even think there was a real formal job posting. Maybe there was, maybe it was a job posting and I reached out, but I feel like it was an old job posting. I don't remember the details, but cold email was the thing that I got the response to And then as far as this podcast, um, I'm hosting this solo episode on Fireside, which is the app where I got my start with the podcast. I cold emailed the team and it wasn't even saying I want to start a podcast. I said, I love what you're building. I think it's really cool. If I can be helpful to you, let me know. Here's my background. And then it evolved into like me getting to the team and actually starting a show. So I think cold emails are huge and extremely underrated. And you have to ask for what you want. You know, people can't read minds. Okay. And then my third major tip for this action stage is to just remind yourself that it will all work out and to remove the pressure. And I say that because I get very anxious when things are not settled. I like control. And so I think that's something that I had to continue repeating to myself. It's all going to work out. There's a few things I want to mention. We obviously learn more from failure than we do from success. So even if it doesn't work out, you'll learn more from that than you would from it being successful. The interviews that don't work out, you learn more from than the ones that do. So it's just reframing your perspective throughout the process. I also think in 10 years, you're only going to remember the job you ended up at. You're not going to remember this like in between time. So it's better to make the right decision than a quick decision. And I think that's extremely important. And you kind of can't make the right decision if you're so anxious and pressured to do it quickly. And I also think moving is better than staying stagnant. And even deciding to look and apply and have conversations is movement. It's movement in the right direction. You're overcoming complacency if you're actually looking, if you're actually talking to people, if you're going on interviews. That is a huge win in and of itself. Because I think a lot of the times people can talk, oh, I might do this, Oh, I might do that. But not a lot of people take action, whether that's job hunting, whether that's starting businesses, whether that's anything, really. So you should be very proud of yourself if you're even taking any action. That is a huge win. So yeah, those are the three phases, reflection, advice, and action. I did wanted to give just like a little note on the side. Sometimes you don't have the luxury of time. And sometimes you're not looking for a job. It just falls in your lap. So sometimes you kind of have to bypass this process altogether. And like, let's say you're not even looking to leave. You just get an opportunity that you can't say no to. So in that case, I just wanted to give three quick pieces of advice. If you actually were never planning on leaving, you don't have all this time to do strengths tests and ask for advice and figure out exactly what the next thing is. The three quick pieces of advice for that situation would be buying yourself time. I know opportunities can be so exciting and it seems like you have to act right now, but if you are really the right fit, for the role, they will understand and respect that. So I would say try to buy yourself as much time as possible to make a decision. Also because often the flattery will wear will off a little bit and you can really think about if it's the right move for you. I find if someone were to tell me like, in 24 hours you have to do this, there's almost like adrenaline That it's like, oh my God, you need to give yourself time to let that sit and really think about if it's the right move. The second thing I would say, if someone presents you an opportunity and you're not looking for it, is to make sure that if you do decide to leave suddenly, make sure you leave on good terms. I think this is so, so important. Not the obvious of like, don't send an angry email or like, don't leave right away. I think for me, the advice is more around the world is actually so small and reputation is lifelong. And people don't forget how you treat them. And I mean, I've had people that I've worked with so long ago. And when I think about them, I don't remember what they said, what they did. I do remember how they made me feel. I think that's like a pretty famous quote. But when I think back on that, some people, I think, oh, God, I'll never work with them again. And I couldn't even tell you what they said or did. And some people, I'm like, oh, I would jump at the chance to work with them again. And so I think you want to make sure as much as possible You are leaving on good terms, and people look back on their time with you and think, God, I'd love to work with that person again. And then the last thing is if an opportunity presents itself to you, you're really excited about, but you weren't really planning on leaving, the last thing I would say is do what's best for you. You have to do what's best for you. Business is business. And if it came down to the numbers, the business would let you go. It can be really, really, really hard to do and to to think about it this way. Like I mentioned earlier, gratitude is one of my character strengths. And it's also a weakness because. In the past, I've stayed longer at jobs, in relationships, in places, longer than I should have because I was just so grateful for it originally. Even businesses, I've like kept going longer because I was like, I'm just so grateful that I got this opportunity instead of being like, is it serving me now? Yes or no? And being a little bit more harsh about it. So doing what's best for you, you can still be grateful, but you have to do what's best for you. And I think that this was just for the sake of, you know, respecting where I'm at now and previous teams. Like, I won't go into too much detail about why I switched, but one thing I will say is how much I absolutely adored the startup that I built and worked at for so long. And I was so grateful for the opportunity. I was, you know, offered an opportunity to be the second employee at this startup with seriously everyone else on the team were people that I had like admired, looked up to, respected. And I remember I kept looking around being like, How am I so lucky? And that was part of what made it so hard to leave because I still felt so indebted and so grateful for the initial opportunity. And I think that one huge lesson that I've learned is that I have to look out for myself. And because I'm looking out for myself and I'm doing what's best for me, it doesn't mean I'm not grateful. It doesn't mean that I'm not loyal. It means that I'm doing what's best for me. And you can do it in a really respectful, respectful, leave on good terms way. So anyway, I have this one quote at the bottom. This is your story. You can switch up the plot whenever you want to. I think that's another major takeaway. If you want to make a job transition, do it. This is your life. Do what's best for you. But try your very best to do it in a thoughtful way. And I hopefully this advice was helpful. And you can follow some of these different stages. If you have questions, shoot me a DM. I'm always happy to chat, send notes back and forth. But it's not an easy thing. It can be very overwhelming. But even just taking small steps is a huge win. So best of luck if you're thinking about making a job transition or you just made one. Best of luck to you. I hope it works out. And yeah, thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dear 20 Something. If you enjoyed it, you can give us a follow over at Dear 20 Something on Instagram or subscribe here or anywhere you get podcasts.